Warrior Woman, welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is a health and performance coach. She has been in the industry for over 16 years and she's very passionate about finding the root cause of a complex injury and a chronic health-related issue. She is a Czech practitioner, uh, a mom, a wife, a dear friend of mine, Lila Lutz, and I talk about weight loss today on the podcast. A few weeks ago, she did a IGTV and it was on healthy weight loss. And I thought, hey, this is a really cool conversation. And so she's doing a little series over on her Instagram on healthy weight loss. And I got her on the podcast to chat about this topic, this little hot topic. Uh, And so some of the key things that we chat about today are her experience around putting on weight. And we talk a little bit about her journey, uh, the reason why she put on weight and how she is uh, moving through that, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically. Her experience around putting on weight uh, has really led her to, uh, you know, attract certain clients now. And these clients want to lose weight, but they want to lose weight without dieting. So she's very much working in the space of helping them lose weight in this healthy, sustainable way. So we chat about her work in helping her clients uh, lose weight in this healthy, sustainable way. We talk about why dieting doesn't work. Uh, How do we know if our weight is healthy? And what does health even mean? You know, what does it mean to be healthy? We chat about how we can lose weight without dieting, uh, why we need to reframe how we think about calories, why tracking is key to building health, losing fat and feeling confident how to get into your body and connect with it, and so much more. Uh, This was a really long one. I think we went for uh, nearly two hours. By the end, our blood sugars were low and I was starving. It was my dinner time. But you can find Leela on the gram, Uh, her Instagram. That's where she shows up a lot. She has amazing information around uh, the metabolism, metabolic health, uh, movement, And she also has an amazing podcast called The Body Never Lies, and you have to go and listen to it. Go and binge it, subscribe, share it. Uh, You know, there is only one absolute in health, and that is the body never lies. And as she says, it always keeps the score. So she chats to a lot of experts in nutrition, physiology, medicine, psychology, coaching and training from around the world. And they all really bring such amazing wisdom uh, and their experience to really help us uh, understand what our body is telling us and then give us tools to kind of put the power back on us uh, in our own health journey. Okay, I'm going to stop talking because this is a long one. Enjoy it. Uh, It was such a great conversation. I could talk to her for hours. Obviously, I did. And this will be the first of many. Also, remember, pop onto her Instagram. 
follow her and she's doing a series right now on healthy weight loss. Okay, Warrior Woman, enjoy episode, I think it's 75, could be 76, I'm not sure. Uh, You know me, not a numbers fan. Uh, And it is losing weight in a healthy, sustainable way. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones, and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian, and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's Well, and like there's so many layers to that because people don't even really connect the environment they're already training, which is stressful on a system that's stressed. And they, and then they're in this environment that has this certain lighting that's playing this music. They're doing this type of training on a system that's already so stressed. (laughs) But it's just this thing, right? It's like, if I want to lose weight or I want to get fit, I just have to beat the shit out of myself and restrict everything. And that's how you do it. And it plays into that whole mindset but it's pushing people further into stress. Yeah. I can hear your lover. Oh, no, that's my cleaner. Oh, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Say goodbye. Oh, right. I thought it was Sean downstairs. It's my cleaner. He's awesome. If anyone in Sydney is looking for a cleaner, they've lost a lot of clients from COVID, so just (laughs) send me a DM. They're really good. They use all my organic products. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> Bring it into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so I did write notes so I wouldn't forget all of the important things that I think we should talk about. Later. Beautiful. I'm really excited to have this conversation. When I saw you do it, uh, yeah, on your platform, I was like, yes. <laughs> This is a good conversation. Oh, man. I think it's because, like, nobody, even whether you want to learn how, as a coach, to do weight loss or not, you have to. Because that's pretty much the highest motivator for people to come to training, to coaching. But then even if people don't want to lose weight, they want to, work with you but not put on weight or keep you know it's this weight is such a huge picture and um it's really interesting because I don't think I ever really truly understood like I've always been thin my entire life 
I'm Sri Lankan and I'm just, uh, you know, I'm many other things, but I'm, oh, I'm just going to turn my notifications off. I'm very thin. And so I've never had the experience of what it's like to want to lose weight. And then last year I got really sick. Oh no, not last year, like four years ago. After my daughter was born, I just started piling on weight and I completely lost my appetite. And it's been a very long process for me, but I really started to question what our industry and, and weight loss, and especially as I just had a baby, I was like, the noise of pushing a baby out and being skinny and being put on a pedestal for that was really loud. And I was just like, this is so messed up. Our industry is so messed up, you know, like, and it started appearing in my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed, you know, cause like Instagram, Facebook magically know that you just had a baby. And so it was pushing all of this, get your baby body back, crap at me. <laughs> and meanwhile, I was like, but I'm not hungry, right? And so I should have gone up in calories. Like I should be starving breastfeeding. Like you should be hungry. I should be like eating 300 to 500 calories more, you know? So, but I wasn't hungry. And then I was like, everyone's trying to give you advice or, you know, people mean well, my mum was around. You know, she's trying to give me advice on losing weight because that never happened to her. She's always, she was a thin after she had kids. And I just really started getting into this how backwards and warped our idea of weight is. And luckily for me, because I understand physiology, I didn't go into any kind of dieting or restriction because that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. But... It's amazing how many people were saying that I should. And even my doctor, and you know, all love and respect to her because she has helped me a lot. But she was like, do you want to, because I mentioned that I was concerned about my weight. And so she had all these suggestions for me. And I'm like, but they're like really restrictive. And but she said, but you want to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah, I do. But I don't want to lose it by dieting or restricting or like, I've never had to do that. I've never made a client do that. Well, why would I do that? <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess it put me on this really interesting journey as a practitioner. Like, and I've been doing this for 17 years. It's the only career that I've ever had. Is like, I really, I, I don't, I, sometimes I think people, things happen to you for a reason. But it doesn't necessarily mean like I got sick you know, my body was trying to tell me something, you know, I'm not like that into it, but I'm like, there is something for me to learn from this experience. As shit as it is, as shit as it is, because I have put on like 35 kilos, right? I'm not going to lie. I want everyone listening to know that I hate that. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be that. But then there's this brain of mine that's really scientific and is like, you have to do it properly. And I know that when you when you go on a journey yourself as a person, the kind of clients that you get start to change as well. And they become a reflection of you in some way. 
And so I have had an influx of clients since then of people wanting to lose weight without dieting because they've all done so much dieting. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so really I have started to get hugely passionate about healthy weight loss massively. And I think when you also stop and you like I've become so much more aware as well of how unhealthy some of my friends are or other coaches and practitioners, things that I didn't notice before and what people will do to lose weight. Weight loss just wasn't on my radar before. Like with clients, it was always injury, rehab, you know, which it still is, but it was just getting healthier. And if you're a person that eats packaged and processed food, and you're overweight, it's pretty easy. You just switch to, you know, meat, vegetables, fruit, dairy, like just nature's food, and you, you lose weight. <laughs> but if you're someone who has a chronic health issue, like I do, or you are someone who has done a lot of dieting in the past, you will not get a result from just changing. And you're probably already doing that anyway, right? So <laughs> most of the people that come and see me are like, I eat really clean. Why am I putting on all this weight? And we can get into that as well, you know. And, and then also I have a lot of clients who are really thin but have a lot of health issues because what they're doing is actually under eating. And, you know, I had this woman come into my clinic once and she came wearing a parker. She wanted to make an appointment with me because she, she had adrenal fatigue. Now, I would say in Sydney, there's only three months of the year that you actually need to wear a parker, like a huge, you know, north face down jacket. That's snow level. That's <laughs> Vancouver been... level. I know, right? It's autumn or something. I'm in a t-shirt. It's autumn. I'm in a t-shirt. And she comes in this puffer jacket. Anyway, she wants to see me about her adrenal fatigue. And she's telling me the story of all of this stuff that she's done. And she's done it all, right? Every health protocol, every juice program, every supplement protocol. And I said to her, okay, so what do you eat? And she said to me, oh, well, you know, I'm not really hungry. She's super thin, right? And freezing. And, okay, I said, so what do you have for breakfast? Well, I have a smoothie. Okay, cool. What do you eat the rest of the day? I'll have a salad for lunch. Mm -hmm. And then what do you have for dinner? Oh, it's normally like fish and vegetables or, and I'm like, it sounds really healthy, but it's not enough food. And it was really, it was really confronting for her as well, because this is the thing as well. People don't want to give up the ideal that they're in. And she was also working with a functional medicine doctor who had never asked her what she ate. Kind of like an idea of what she ate, you know, like I'm paleo or I'm, oh yeah, that's a good weight loss protocol. And you're thin. So why do I need to ask you what you eat? You know? And 
it was funny because she obviously went back to her doctor and her doctor got funny about it and said, well, no, I'm going to manage her nutrition, not you. And I didn't see her again. But this is a classic case, I think, where people's, one, weight is perceived as like you're lean, so you must be healthy. I don't have to talk about your food with you because you're lean. And two, you know, a huge problem that I see in the industry from doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, health coaches who are not actually sitting down with a client and doing a log of their food, their exercise, their emotions, their, it's just a general, oh, you know, I just can't eat this and I can't even eat that. And yeah, that's it. And, you know, everyone listening at home at the moment or whatever you're doing, I want you to stop and think, what did you eat on Monday? What did you eat yesterday? Like, what did you really eat? Because most people can't tell you. They just can't, like, they can't remember. Like, I know that I have trouble. I mean, I eat a much, you know, I plan my food a lot so I can remember what I eat because I plan ahead. So, I'm, But I'm remembering my plan. I'm not remembering in retrospect. Whereas if I think about times where I haven't planned, like maybe on a Saturday I just go, stuff it, that's my off day. I think about it on Monday and I'm like, hmm, what did I eat on Saturday? And I have to think really hard about it. And I think that it's only because I have a really conscious level of it, you know, like I can look at a plate of food and I can do the calories, I can do, you know. But a normal person, an average Joe, couldn't do that. And actually a lot of health practitioners couldn't do that either, to be fair. So I think that, you know, we're doing clients a massive disservice if we're not actually getting them to do a food log. And... You know, I see it with clients a lot. I see lots of things in food diaries, lots. So then when you come away from me, your first initial food diary is just an account of your day-to-day life as it is. And I recommend that everyone does this before they actually decide they're going to make a change or they're going to do a diet or they're going to whatever, is actually sit down and write down everything you eat every day. And I recommend using an app or something because people are really unaware of how much they eat as well. And I think that we've moved away from calories because there was this whole connotation of like, oh, calories mean restriction. But what I'm seeing now is that people are so in the mindset that not eating is better than eating, that they're actually under eating. And then a lot of problems that people have are actually from either under eating or being really inconsistent with the amount of food that they eat. So, for instance, I have a lot of busy mums. And busy mums are notorious for eating 1,000 calories a day on a weekday when they're running around after their kids and then eating 2,500, 3,000 calories on a Saturday (laughs) or a Sunday, you know, and your body can't handle that type of inconsistency it's really stressful right and then I have a whole bunch of clients I know some women say to me oh I tried this um meal service you know you get the food delivery and you cook it and I couldn't eat all the food it was so much food and I look up the meal service and it's a 1400 calorie meal service per day 
And that tells me a lot about a person and why they can't lose weight. But the problem is for that person, they keep going to see people like, well, you need to eat less because obviously you're overweight, so you need to eat less. And no one's checking. What are they actually bloody eating? <laughs> this drives me nuts. And then I work with these women, they're just, they're heartbroken. Because like, I can't possibly eat any less because I'm not hungry and I can't eat all the food, but I'm still fat. Why am I still fat? <sighs> so there is a huge problem in our industry, massive. And so my first thing for people listening to this, if you're gonna work with someone, whoever it is, you know, if you've had an eating disorder, it's, it's very tricky to work with calories, right? But your practitioner needs to get you to log in a way where you're not seeing the calories, but they are, or they're getting an account somehow of what you're eating. So sometimes I work with people who've had eating disorders and I'll get them to just take a photograph. Okay, when you eat, take a photograph, text it to me. And I'm collating all the photographs and looking at how much food they're eating and what kinds of food they do. But we need some kind of baseline. Like I can't follow every single one of my clients around every day. I could, but it would cost a lot of money <laughs> for the client. <laughs> well, I think there's so many layers in what you just spoke about. And the first piece is that so many practitioners, trainers, and coaches aren't actually healthy themselves. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> It's like, it's crazy when you're, when you're in the industry and you're in it for a long time and you start to see the behind the scenes, mm. you're just like, how are you helping people navigate their lives to get healthier and stronger or to change their body composition when I know that you aren't healthy and strong yourself. So I think that's the first piece. And I love that you bring this up as a coach and as a practitioner, or if you are someone that needs support by a coach or practitioner, you need to find someone mm. that actually is like healthy mm. or, or gets it, you know, gets like the, the process and the method that you need to go through to do this in a way that's going to support the system, that's going to support you mentally and emotionally and, you know, for all the layers. Yeah, and I think that one of the things about social media that is beneficial in that way is that everyone is documenting what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. So you can follow someone on Instagram and work out whether they're healthy or not. Like it's, it's like your own vetting system, you know. Like I was watching this influence, like my clients send me <laughs> the ridiculous things that influence is doing all the time. We have to have this conversation where I'm like, okay, why are you following that person? Because you're getting triggered by this person. Let's unfollow that person. You know, so I've had health practitioners online making air fried carrots and saying, I'm so excited about this meal of air fried carrots. That's not a meal. That's a side dish. <laughs> um, you know, and people being nutritionists but going to six HIIT classes a week and fasting till 11 o'clock and 
you know, then talking on Instagram about why their hair's falling out. Does anyone know, like, I've, I, I've stopped breastfeeding, but my hair's still falling out. And, you know, I don't want to criticise them because everyone has their own personal struggles and everyone needs to go on a healing journey. But we have to be really careful when we follow someone, are they really treating us as a person and who has the problems, not treating the problems that has the person but also is is there a method that they're using actually looking at me in my life and my stresses as a client or is it their eating disorder and their method that's just being put upon everybody else if that makes sense and yeah. so you know because you have a lot of people who are like okay so everybody just copy what I'm eating and work out six times a day and be thin. And I want to know, I guess, as well as how are they measuring their health? You know, you have to look out for influences. I remember this, this whole time on Instagram where people were like going, I get bloated too. You know, putting pictures of their bloated belly and stuff. And people don't realise that IBS, one of the biggest reasons people get IBS is because they don't eat enough food or they don't eat consistently enough. You know, or they're just they're not eating enough protein, or they're not eating enough carbohydrate, or like there's so many reasons why you get that. So you have to be really careful, and you know, fake nails and hair extensions, and these are all signs <laughs> of depleted bodies. So I guess like you know where I want to go to with that is because I don't want to just sit here and bitch about influence that's not that's not what I'm here for you know people are going through their own stuff and trying to heal themselves and coaches and normal people like I'm on my journey and I'm trying to heal as well um but it's we need to I think have an understanding of what health is and what healthy weight is and that's where I think we need to start and that's going to be different for every single person you know, um, I talked about it in a video on my Instagram the other day, which was really popular, an IGTV I did on, well, what? how do you know that your weight is actually healthy? Like, where did you get the idea that you wanted to be a certain weight? Is it because you look at fashion magazines all day and you think that you should look like a stick woman walking down a catwalk? Do you really think you should look like that? because most women don't look like that. They just don't. And I've worked in the modeling industry and it's really unhealthy. It's really unhealthy. You know, I could be on shoots and no one, we wouldn't eat all day or they'd bring a bowl of a plate of sushi around that was like enough sushi for four people, but 10 people had to share it. I remember being on a photo shoot once I was saying I was hungry and the assistant bought me a block of chocolate. And I was like, Where? I meant like a meal. Can I have a meal? <laughs> You know, it's a really unhealthy industry. And I have a client who's a makeup artist in the modeling industry and she's really struggling to even get food breaks as a makeup artist. Everyone's like, why do you need to eat so much? Why do you need to eat? <laughs> you know, she's on her feet all day. She's probably doing 20,000 steps a day. That's why she needs to eat. So, you know, we have to really do a bit of a help, a check with ourselves it's like why do we think that's healthy 
why do we want to look like that? And what actually happens to our body when we force ourselves to look like that? So, and this is another thing with coaches doing weight loss protocols. If I'm working with someone and they're losing weight, we either need to do skin fold measurements or we need to do DEXA scans because sometimes you can lose water. Sometimes you can lose muscle mass. A lot of the times you're losing muscle mass and that is really unhealthy and that is really scary. And I've had that with male clients. I have so many male clients that have this obsession with a weight. So it's not just women. Um, and they will lift lots of weights, but they'll do more kind of hit style and then do lots of cardio in between. And we do their DEXA scans and they're actually losing muscle mass, not body fat. And when you look at body fat, it's really important. You know, if you're a female, you really need to have about 27, 25 to 30% body fat. And if you're a male, you need to have like 15% body fat. So when someone has a DEXA scan and they're already sitting in that body fat range and they're still trying to lose weight, like this is a problem because then what you'll see, like I showed in my video on my page about this male client of mine, he's actually losing muscle mass and he had really low bone mineral density. And he did not expect that because he's like, I lift heaps of weights. How can I have low bone mineral density? I was like, well, training is a stress and you need a lot of fuel to be able to train and mitigate the stress of training. And if you don't have enough fuel, your body starts eating itself and it becomes depleted in minerals and it pulls the minerals out of your bones so that you can use them to try and stay alive. So this is happening to both men and women. And you know, so I really encourage people to go, where did you get this idea that you should be a certain weight? And I get clients to actually pull out photographs and go, okay, well, let's talk about that time that you were a size six or a size eight or, you know, your hip bones were poking out. So many women tell me, I know that I'm healthy when my, I can feel my hip bones, you know, my, and my ASIS. And I'm like, okay. Um, what, what was so good about your life right back then? What was so good about it? Show me the picture of that woman. Let's talk about her. And so many people like, oh my God, you know, they're bringing a picture of themselves on a holiday, for instance, in the bikini. And they're like, oh, I loved this holiday, except I was stressed the whole time I was on the holiday because I was worried that if I just ate when everyone else is sitting on the holiday and put all the weight back on. So they're not enjoying the holiday. <laughs> Whereas when you have a really healthy metabolism, you have a healthy amount of weight loss, um, sorry, muscle mass, you can go on a holiday and eat and drink for a week and not put on any weight. You, you literally can. <laughs> so like this is just, it's really dangerous. So I think the, the other part of being a coach who, or looking for someone to help you with weight loss is they really have to be able to hold space for you and help you explore the emotional attachment that you have to being a certain weight. And this is why another reason why food diaries are so important 
because I ask my clients to write down their emotions. It's why or why did you not eat? I want to know that all the time. And I get things like, I remember one of my clients had this big aha moment which she wrote down. I just realised how much I had associated achievement with the feeling of being empty. You know, we have this thing of like, I can push through the next meal. I am amazing. And I'm like, okay, cool. So now we're going to move that feeling of being excited about being empty to every time you do a poo and you do a proper poo and you're fully evacuated three times a day, that emptiness, that's the emptiness we're going to celebrate. (laughs) I love that. We're going to pivot here on the empty feeling and it's going to be about your poo. (laughs) And most people who have this dining, they actually never have that fully evacuated feeling because when you're in this low energy state, you can't push enough stool along. So most people are either constipated or altered between constipation and loose stools and they just never have this feeling of going to the bathroom and having that, oh, wow, I just did a poo and it was awesome and I'm evacuated and... You know, I love my clients when they tell me that. Oh, my God, I love pooing now. <laughs> I love pooing. I love, I pooing. love it. I, it's one of my favourite things to do. <laughs> it's so satisfying. <laughs> it is. And I, yeah, I just, I love it. It's so satisfying when you come out of the bathroom and you're like, I've just deloaded, I feel energized now and I'm ready to go and eat some more. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to go and eat more food. <laughs> no, I like where you start with this, the number, the why, you know, where did this come from? Why do you hold, you, you know, why do you hold this attachment to this weight, this shape, this size, you know, and, and exploring that is really important. The story behind that, you know, the feeling behind that uh, and why you actually want that. Uh, because like you said, you know, that we could have been a certain weight, shape or size, but did we have energy? Did we sleep? Did we have resilience and tolerance to stress? Uh, Could we train in the way that we wanted to? Could we recover? Did we have a cycle? How was our skin? Like all the other signs that we're looking for to tell us that, okay, the body is at this weight where the system is functioning. Every, you know, you're healthy. You know, there's key signs that we can look for. And often they can't tick all those things off. Like you just said, they weren't sleeping their skin was a mess you know they didn't go and poo once a day uh and so what do you do from there you know once you explore their why their attachment to this number what what can you take us through like the journey around like where you go with them yeah well I have used I still use some of the original questionnaires that I used as a Czech practitioner well I am a Czech practitioner but looking at all of these physiological functions and, you know, really getting people to get clear on what their body feels like, you know, it, it hurts for a few days after exercise or, yeah, I sleep, but I don't sleep that well, or I wake up and I'm just, I've slept eight hours, but I still want to sleep. Well, 
you know, really getting conscious of all those things is huge. And so they have lots of questions in their food diary. And I'll email them. I check my clients. I use Chronometer and I'll log in and check everyone's diet and send a message. Out. I don't have enough. There's not enough um, emotional input into this diary. So, you know, because you, the first thing you have to do is actually get into your body and feel what it feels like to be in there. Because most of people are dieting to get out of their body. They don't want to be in there. You know, wanting to be that thin is completely measuring your self-worth on the way that you look. And we go through this process of numbing ourselves and all the pain of dieting and all the ways that our body speaks to us about us not treating ourselves properly. We remove ourselves, we get numb. So we can just look at ourselves in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm happy. But you can't be happy if you're not feeling. Because then you're always empty, you know? Like you, you look like that, but then you go, but I still don't have a boyfriend or I still don't have connection with my wife or I still don't have a baby or I still don't love my work because I'm so bloody tired at work, you know, or whatever or it is. Or it's still not enough. Or it's, it's still, still not enough. It's still not enough. Yeah, I still don't feel comfortable and confident and safe in this yeah. body. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's coming into that place. And that in itself is a stress, right? not wanting to be in our bodies and not feeling safe. Like it's a huge, not feeling loved. Like safety and love and connection are like the most basic human needs. And if we're not feeling that, we're in a stress state. So then it is, yeah, taking a, a really true account of what your diary is, like your week is. So people will go to me, oh my God, I've got to do a food log. So I better be really good this week because I don't want to be judged because Leela's going to look at it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not judging <laughs> I actually have no judgment, all right, because I think that the industry is so messed up, the medical industry, the health industry, it is so messed up and people have been fed such bullshit and such lies for so many years and that it's so impossible to find the truth. I'm not judging you. I'm not. Because there is yeah. no, it is so hard for you to find out the truth. I, I couldn't possibly judge you. I just can't. I just think, oh, my God, you you did that diet and it left you with that belief. Okay, yeah. let's, let's work on that together. Let's change that. I don't judge. Let yeah. me judge people. And I think that's really important is this like, cause we often get to this place where we feel like it's our fault, but it's yeah. actually not. It's the fault, the fictional belief that's being created by the industry that has resulted us feeling this way that yeah. we failed based on this fictional belief. Um, but how do you start to even teach someone who has been ignoring their body for years, even decades to come back into it and to connect with it? Well, Is it the, through the food log? Yeah, it's the food log of the first part, you know, because we have to really connect with those emotions. We have to connect with those beliefs and you know a lot of it for people is giving their power away it's really confronting and this is why nobody likes food diaries no one does no, no one, one likes, likes food diaries I no one likes food diaries and coaches I think get really lazy and don't push them on people um but you know they're confronting for a lot of people because 
then you start to unravel emotions. You start to unravel the fact that you gave your power away for 40 years of your life. You start to unravel the fact that you're just like your mum who never made time for herself. You know, you start to unravel that you've been shamed as a child for doing bad things. So you shame yourself all the time and you punish yourself, you know, but this is part of growing up. This is, this is learning to take responsibility for yourself. This is parenting yourself, you know, like most of us are, you know, have this belief that we didn't have the right childhood or whatever, but that's gone. That's been gone now. And your parents are not going to come and do it for you. And Hey, they were just doing the best that they could with the resources that they had you know, maybe they didn't have enough money for food, like my family, you know, we just literally didn't have enough food. So what am I going to do about that? Like get angry at my mom because she had an abusive childhood and she had no self-worth and so she didn't get educated and, you know, like, no, I'm not going to get angry at her for that. But I'm going to have self-acceptance for myself and know that, you know, I've lived in a chronically stressed state for most of my life. And the only person that can really do anything about that is me. You know, and this is like not blaming your husband because he didn't make time for you to go for a walk. You have to ask him. You say, I really need to do this for myself because I'm going to be a better mum. So I need you to participate because we're a team here. And so I need this time twice a week for myself so I can do this. I need to do food prep. So you need to take the kids for two hours on a Saturday so I can do food prep. You know, like we need to start standing up and going, okay, I'm responsible for this. What do I need to do to make this happen? Yeah, advocating. But, and it's, if you don't know exactly what's going on and what's coming up for you because you've been ignoring it and then you, that's why the food diary and paying attention and, and listening and noticing and allowing and receiving this to then know, okay, this is kind of what I need and what I need to work on. And then you need to advocate and ask for that. You know, the Brené Brown has a really great quote around, uh, I'm not responsible for your bounce back. You know, I, and she did this in her like daring leadership work yeah. around, you know, I can give you the tools and the resources I can give you the education. I can, you know, give you the the food log. But in the end, like, I'm not responsible for your bounce back. You're the person that's responsible for that bounce back. You know, you need yeah. to lead self and you need to advocate for yourself by asking for the time, you know, by understanding what you need. 100%, you know, and also just noticing your patterns. Like, yep. I enter in relationships like this because X, Y, and Z. I entered into the relationship, not all men are bad. You know, I keep going into a relationship or men or, you know, all women are psycho, whatever they say. No, you keep entering into a relationship like that. You know, we need to take responsibility for our own actions. And obviously this is hard. For some people, this is really hard and they need to go through some emotional release work and coaching to get a handle on that. But I would say like most women need to come to the fact that you know, our age in their 30s and 40s, we've come from generations and generations and generations of women who martyred themselves. And I still see women doing it. 2021, we have all the equality. Well, we don't, but we're still not getting paid as much. There's a whole thing going on in Australia, right, coming up to the election about 
the government really not being fair on women in terms of money. But we we live in a world where it's okay for our husbands to do half the housework. It's okay for our husbands to cook dinner. And but we still martyr ourselves because it's a cultural belief for many, many years. And you need to get conscious about these cultural beliefs and break that cycle and not pass them on to our daughters. You know, yeah. so it's sitting down as a family with your partner and going, okay, well, what's important to you? This, this, and this. So he wants to go have a boys' night. He wants to go to jujitsu or whatever he wants to call. Cool, you do that. Then I want to do this, this, and this. And I'm going to, you're going to support me to do it, you know. Um, and, you know, there's always a fine balance, right? Like, I know the way that I want to mother is actually spending a lot of time with my daughter. So it's not going to be like it was when I was single or when we didn't have kids. It's just not going to be like that. You know, in the old days, I just go, Oh, cool. I've got a break. I'll go and do a workout. Whereas now it's like, I've got a break. I actually need to do some house admin or I have to, you know, it's just not the same. And young children need their mums. You know, I truly believe that. They don't know where you're going. They just know that you're not there. So, and it's going to depend on each child's different temperament. Like my daughter's really independent and she loves going to be with other people. She loves school. She loves, you know, she, she would actually be like, you're hanging out with me too much, mum. I need to go and hang out with my friends. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in a sense that I have that kind of daughter but I noticed that she really likes it when I pick up her up from school and when I really spend that concentrated time with her after school, dinner time to bedtime. So, you know, I think you always have to be aware of what your environment is and what your situation is and, and then not put too much pressure on yourself. You know, you can't have it all at the same time. I, be- and I believe at the same time. Yeah, I believe that. And I, yes, I am a big believer. And I say that to my women all of the time. You know, we've yeah. been sold this idea that we can have it all. And I believe that we can, but we just can't have it all at the same time. We have these expectations on ourselves that to look a certain way, to, to achieve something in our training, to show up as a mother, as a wife, as, you know, in my work and, and to do all these things. And then we like we have our reality and our reality is that, you know, maybe we have three kids. Maybe our system is not strong. Maybe we're a single mom, like our reality and our expectation, the gap is just so big. Yeah. The, the expectations are coming from the culture and not, you know, this is not good or bad. It just is what it is, you know, and we either need to readjust our expectation a little bit that, hey, it's going to take a, a little longer to get where we want to go, or we need to drastically, drastically change our reality. And sometimes that's not possible right away. And that's okay. But the gap is just too big. And this is where the friction gets created between like, I want to lose weight and like be this weight and look this way. But hey, my reality is, is that I have these massive financial commitments. I own these two big expensive cars. I have three children. I actually want to spend time with my children. I have to take them from to here to there. I have a full-time job. You know, I'm not sleeping because I have a six-month-old baby. And then the reality just doesn't support the expectation. And that's okay because it's not forever, but we need to be okay. We need to be okay. It's not forever. It's just not forever. And sometimes when you're in it, trust me, it feels like forever. Yes. Yeah, but, but you're never going to sleep again. <laughs> yeah. 
but the exponential damage that you do to yourself by doing too much is more destructive than just surrendering to that phase of your life. Like sometimes I watch you, right? Because I'm I'm a human and I have an ego, even though I'm a coach and you know I know science and stuff. And I watch you doing your stuff on Instagram. I'm so like, fuck. <laughs> I want to do that. And then I'm like, Leela, Amy has an entire life of gymnastics history, weightlifting history. She has no kids. Yes. Yes. And she has all this stuff in her apartment so she can do that training. Get a grip. You're not going to be like Amy. (laughs) This is really, this is a really important conversation. This comparison and all the women, like you just said before, as a coach, you go through something and then you attract you know, certain clients and I attract women that, you know, that want to be strong. They, they do, they do want to change their body composition, but they do have this strength goal. Uh, and they compare themselves to myself, but I, and I have to shake them sometimes because I'm like, my reality is so different from your reality. Like I come from a gymnastics background and a dancing background. I competed in Olympic weightlifting. I have like built my training foundation over the last nine years from like the ground up, like literally flat on my back in chronic pain to be able to do this stuff. But I have also been a coach. So I haven't had this like full-time big job that I have to go somewhere for eight hours a day. I've had amazing teachers around me. My number one goal for like three years was to be strong and healthy and not weak and broken. And that's all I focused on, but I didn't have kids. I didn't have a house to pay for or, or a car. And so when I get these women and they start to compare, I'm like, but my, our realities are completely different. Now that's not bad. We can do some things to shift your reality a little bit, like eating more food, you know, managing stress, training in a way that's supporting the system. But you know, I don't have all these things that you have, you know, the, the, the history, the 10 years or 20 years of chronic dieting that screwed them, the screwed the metabolism in the system, three kids, you know, financial commitments. Uh, and I think that's an important conversation that we need to have because we get into this comparison trap and especially through social media is one, you know, is it really real? But two, what's their reality like to your reality? Mm. Uh, and, you know, there are definitely some things that we can do to support you in your reality to help you get where you want to go. But it's going to take a little bit longer because of all the other layers that are, yeah, that are in your reality. Yeah, it's so important that when your coach works with you, that they see you as a person and where you're at. And they're also, their job is to call you on that. Yes. If you set a goal, if you have a goal that's unrealistic, it's their job to go, okay, let's just sit down and talk about this goal and how realistic it is, you know? Yeah. And I get, I get coaching as well, you know? So I have a physiotherapist, Susie Neville, who helps me with my casework. And I have a long-term jaw and neck problem that I've been having work done on for many years. And yesterday I, ha- I, was, well, I had a meeting with her and I just thought I actually needed some help with myself. And I had a cry because I was trying to do too much. And she's 10 years older than me and her kid is um, 
a little bit older than my kid. And, you know, she had to say to me, Layla, we're older mothers. Like, I'm 40. You can only do so much in one day. And you have a daughter and you don't want to miss out on her because, trust me, it goes really fast. And then it's gone. And they don't want to hang out with you anymore. Or they, they do, but, you know, in limited amounts of time. So don't miss that. And I'm like, oh, but I really want, I have this daughter that I always wanted. She's amazing. She's so energetic and she wants to do things and she's just totally up for life and, you know, wants to go and hang off monkey bars. I'm like, I want to be able to hang off monkey bars with her. And this is my fitness goal, right? Like I want to be able to keep up with my daughter. If she's joined a soccer team, I want to be able to go and play soccer with her. If she wants to go to gymnastics, I want to go and do gymnastics with her, you know, like on the weekends, fun, help her practice and stuff. That's my fitness motivation. But if I don't, like she's four, so I've actually got time to really pull back on my own training and do the work, to do the rehab, to catch up with her and meet her at where she's at when she's like eight and she's really able to play sport properly, you know? And so it's being realistic about, I just said, I just set a four year goal, right? Like she's not four yet, but I just set a four year goal, but we're, we're so conditioned to like, I want this now. I want it right now. I don't want it. I wanted it in yesterday even, you know, instead of going, well, how long is this really going to take? In my current experience of the world, I have a business, I have clients, I'm very ambitious with my business. I've had to say I'm not going to be as ambitious because I also want to be a great mum. It's like, who cares? I actually just need to make enough money to pay for the things that I want. I don't need to, you know, make millions and Mm. not right now. You know, I don't need to be famous and I don't need to do that right now. What I do need to do is just revel in the fact that she loves hanging out with me. Yeah. She loves playing games with me. She loves going to the park with me. She loves, let's play make-believe. Let's do dress-ups, mum. Let's put on a dance part, like, show. Let's get married. I think at the moment, let's set up weddings and get married, which is hilarious because I'm not, we're not even married, her mum and dad, so... You know, like I want to go three o'clock, boom, I'm into that zone with you. So I don't really have time to train four times a week and work and, you know, so it's just being realistic. What I do have time for is my 10,000 steps every day because I walk her to and from school and I go the long way home and I do my breathing drills. What I do have time for is my 20 minutes of movement a day to do my rehab, you know, and I really plan and schedule my week so that I have an hour every night either hanging out with my husband or doing some red light or having an Epsom salt bath or something. So doing high intense strenuous exercise is not a priority for me at the moment. It's going to make me more injured and I just have to get over that. And sometimes a big part of healing is just letting go of an idea of how we were going to be. I thought I was going to be this awesome fit lean energetic mum and I'm not and sometimes it's just letting go of that because if I try and push that something has to give yeah you know, that I give is- up my work and just focus on myself all day but then I would be miserable because I love my work so much you know or I could do it 
after school and get my husband to look after it, but then I would miss my daughter. You know, so something has to give. And I think with motherhood, we've come to a place where we just almost expect too much of ourselves because we can do it all. Yeah. And it's not easy. I'm not saying, you know, it's not easy. But I think this whole idea of, you know, it, being thin ties into that as well. Being lean, you know, bouncing back after a, an injury, a you know, because you can put you can put on a huge amount of weight from having an injury, right? The yeah. stress of the musculoskeletal system, and you know, if we don't make the time for ourselves to heal then we'll never be the weight that we want to anyway. Once we've worked out what's an ideal way for us. Yeah, and some women don't even know because they've lived their entire lives in restriction and excessive exercise or, you know, some, yeah, just don't know where that is, that they can tickle their boxes and their body is functioning and they have energy and, uh, yeah, the system is supported. When we talk about this like healthy weight loss uh, for me, and I, and I really love having this conversation because we have two ends of the spectrum and I've always felt stuck kind of in the middle. We have like the fitness end, which is all like, you know, numbers and high intensity training and we have the bodybuilding space. And then we have the other end, which is like the, the love yourself at every size and the body positivity and the, you know, the eating disorder space. And, you know, it, like, it doesn't really matter what weight you are, you can still love yourself. And, uh, and then there's like this middle piece that Mm. no one really speaks about a lot where it's okay. Well, what if someone had a medical condition or they experienced trauma and their body composition did change and then they find themselves at this place where, you know, we have to heal and, and maybe that is not where their body is, is meant to be. And what does that look like? How do we help them get back there? And, you know, we're, a lot of us are avoiding that conversation, mm. that weight loss conversation. It's like we, well, I think it's also because it's, it's work as a practitioner. It's yeah. so much easier to put someone on a 1200 calorie diet or a 1400 diet or tell them to go keto or tell them to eat 50, you know, I don't know, to just restrict. And it's so much easier to do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a lot of work to, sit with someone and you have to be able to sit with someone I think that's the thing with people as well like practitioners really just want to fix everything yeah that's a very masculine way of doing things you know women get so angry with their husbands when they say oh I had a really bad day and they're like trying to solve it for them (laughs) I just want you to listen yeah they want to I really encourage (laughs) any male coaches listening to this this is a real problem I see with male coaches because the masculine is all about solving problems. And sometimes we don't actually need to solve a problem. Sometimes we actually need to hold space for someone and let them download and let them go through pain. Like It's like pain is motivating. Like some people need to hit the bottom, not everyone. And you don't have to be in pain to have a good experience. Okay. You know, you have to be really careful of that. But I think like some the reason why so many women diet is they don't actually feel the pain that their body's in yeah right so if you don't stop and hold space for them you just give them another formula 
they're not going to feel that pain. You know, they're not going to have that connection with like my client did and go, well, I'm actually bloody hungry, but I've been celebrating this emptiness. Yeah. Like I'm not doing that anymore. Like you actually need to go get conscious. So I think, and I also think that it is really important to hold space for someone who says that they want to look better. We all want to look better. There is nothing wrong with wanting to look better. It's not vain. You know, there's actually a whole science behind it. You know, it is totally okay to want to look better. But then it's also going, well, maybe you're meant to be more muscly. Who decided that, you know, hips were out? <laughs> Who decided that bone sticking out was, you know, so it's having a reality check. But it is okay to want to look better, I, you know. And I think that it, I get really upset sometimes with this whole body positivity thing is that, you know, I'm... I'm I'm obese and I'm celebrating my size and I'm okay, but cool. Are you accepting that and going, but my body's trying to tell me something or are you just like doing this whole excess positivity thing on it and then still treating yourself like crap? There's a huge difference. And I see that with a lot of influence as well who are overweight. Like I'm, I just love myself the way that I am, but then I'm going to go and sit on the couch and eat macaroni and cheese for, you know, and a bucket of ice cream. Okay. That's self-abuse. It's still hating yourself on the inside. Yeah. You can't say you love yourself on the outside and then hate yourself on the inside. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, so I think, and I, I agree with you. I think that we can, you know, we can want, we can love the way that we look. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And we can want to change our body composition. Now, where is it coming from? How do we do that? That's like the deeper conversation. Mm. Uh, and this is why we're in conversation, you know, today and, and why I love why you started it because, you know, there is a process and a method to doing this in a way that unpacks a lot of history and stories and trauma and, you know, the, the psychological and emotional stuff. And then there is a way to actually do it. That 100%. Supporting the system that is going to give you energy so you can still sleep, so you can have a menstrual cycle. Uh, and this is what's not being really spoken about. Uh, it just, it swings either end of this spectrum. And I need, we needed to swing back into this place of like, sure, you know, let's unpack all of this stuff. And then if it's still something that you really want, yeah, you want to feel better. You want to feel more confident. You want to look stronger. You want to get more muscly. You want to look a little leaner. You do want to lose a little weight. Okay. Now, cause it's not my job to say that that's wrong. <laughs> like you can't. it's like okay well from my experience and my knowledge over the last 13 years here is what we can do this is the way that we can do it so can we speak a little bit about that like from you know how do we do that what does this process and method look like uh yeah so i think like first getting a baseline of where you're at and really getting clear on that so I only eat a thousand calories on Mondays, but Tuesdays I eat twenty five hundred calories. I only I what I realize is that when I'm busy, I just grab all these paleo snacks and bars, and I thought that was healthy, but it's not. <laughs> just telling you. <laughs> um, 
you know, it's getting conscious of what you're doing. And also we need to get a baseline of how much you're earning. Because if you're someone who's, you know, this, this is a real problem, okay, because I talk about it all the time, people find out they're about that they're supposed to be eating 2,000 calories, right? They're only eating 1,000. If you go and eat 2,000 calories when you've only been eating, you'll put on weight, okay? Don't do that. You'll hate yourself even more, okay? You're going to hate yourself even more, okay? Don't. <laughs> I think that's perfectly normal to hate yourself when you put on weight, a huge amount of weight in a small amount of time. And you have to remember that the, the stress of eating extra food when your body doesn't have the ability to break down food, use it, assimilate it, process it, because you've been under eating for a long time is another stress on the body. And this is where we're seeing people having exercise intolerance and you know fatigue because you've just, it's like, it's like training, right? It's like a muscle. Your digestive system is like a muscle. I can't just walk into a gym and deadlift 100 kilos. I have to start with 10 kilos and then work my way up to 100 kilos. So we don't eat 1,000 calories and then go and eat 2,000 calories. We don't, we, have, we don't go, well, I haven't eaten carbs for 20 years, but now I'm going to, I heard that orange juice is really good for you, so I'm going to go drink two litres of orange juice every day. And then I'm going to get really pissed because I put on all this weight, but, hey, I followed all this stuff. And No, no, no. If you're eating like 10% carbohydrate, then you need to start with eating 15% carbohydrate. And then we work up to 20% carbohydrate. And, you know, and then it's realising that most people who come off keto and they find metabolic food is that they actually now become keto eating masses of carbohydrates because they forget the protein bit, right? So this is where it's really important to learn about calories, learn about macronutrients, look at your diary. Like, you know, ketogenic diets are like 50% fat, you know, and I've actually had people come to me and their practitioner told them to eat 50% fat, which is ridiculous. Okay, fat should always be your smallest macronutrient. We just went too crazy with the fat. Like, fat's good for you. Let's just eat an abundance of fat. So, you know, this is why it's so important. This is why, like, I'm so adamant with people. You can't turn up to your first session to work with me without that diary. I can't work based off assumptions because I'm going to stress your body out. You can't just go and eat fruit. 10 times a day if you haven't eaten carbs for 10 years your body can't process those carbohydrates anymore you get there's a thing called carbohydrate intolerance if you have been vegan and you just go and eat a steak you'll probably feel really sick for a few days you know like i've worked with many vegans and we have to start with broth like that's it just broth you know so you have to do this process of finding out where you're at and then changing things very slowly and, you know, so if you've been doing repeat or you're doing metabolic food and you're like, I've, I've put on so much weight, well, now you have to go through a process of unloading the stress. So don't go back to eating a thousand calories. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to have patience with the fact that you have put an extra stress on your body. Um, so, yeah, it's adding things in slowly. It's changing things slowly. It's measuring body composition. It's constantly measuring, you know, my cycle and my sleep and because for a lot of people the weight is the last piece anyway right so a lot of people are seriously overweight like myself the weight is the last piece and you have to learn to celebrate the small wins okay 
you have to learn, this is why it's awesome to work with someone like Amy here on, who really teaches you about your cycle. Because if you're a woman that isn't ovulating and you finally understand what that is and what that's like and you ovulate, you're like, oh, my God, I just dropped an egg, people. <laughs> it's so exciting, you know, and then you ovulate and you realise, like, I am really horny. Yeah. I want to have sex. This is wow. You know, like one of my clients messaged me the other day. She thought she was in, peri- in menopause and she's not. She's just this chronically stressed straight from dieting. And she's still having really long cycles. But she sent me a message the other day. She's like, oh my God, I have all this mucus. I just realized I haven't got the cycle that I want, but I have all this mucus and I'm really horny. And I'm like, well, see, if you were in menopause, you wouldn't be feeling like that. So you have to learn to celebrate these small wins. And we're really not good at doing that in life in anything. You know, most people set the goals like, I'll be happy when I have a $5 million house. Yeah. And they never celebrate all the little bits of money that they made on the way or the, you know, the houses that they bought or the experiences that they had, the fun that they had renovating, the fun that they had learning about how to make that money. They never celebrate that. And then they get to the $5 million house and like, oh, well, this is kind of love. (laughs) it's the same with the training stuff you know women come to see me and they have this goal like the end goal to do all these things whether it's a skill or they're so focused on their weight and we build this training foundation and a lot of women that come to see me are in pain you know they have an injury Mm -hmm. and that stopped them from training and we go on this journey and we build this foundation and we we build their range of motion, their stability, their strength, and they can do five strict pull-ups. They're no lo- they no longer have chronic back pain. They, they can get down into the bottom of their squat. They don't have knee pain, but they're still focused on that, <laughs> that angle or wherever they want to go, you know, that weight, that shape, their size, and they don't celebrate the, the and this is why I love tracking, track your training. Oh, tracking track. is massive. Yes. And, and like you said, at the start of the podcast, it's like, we just need to reframe our relationship with tracking. Tracking's yeah. not bad. It's the story that we tell ourselves around the tracking that's unhelpful because I can, I can hop on it. Like I can hop on a scale and not attach to the, the number I could count. I could use an app and count my food, not attached to a number. Yeah. I could, I can track my training and I can, yeah. And it's not, there's, there's no attachment for me. It's like a positive attachment because it's data and I get to learn about how did, how did I feel? How did my training go? What did I notice? What does, and, and that's where I think we need to reframe this, you know, this avoidance of not wanting to write things down and, and look at the data because the data is going to give us information. But it also builds confidence with ourselves because we can look back and we can see how far we've come that actually, hey, I couldn't do this thing because I had really bad knee pain and I wasn't sleeping. My energy was always low. And now three months later, six months later, 12 months later, I can look in my diary and I can see three pluses from my energy, or I can see that I've slept consistently or that I can squat pain-free and like all these things are wins. And I just, what frustrates me the most is that the impatience that Mm. people have, and I get it, you know, they're tired by the time that they come and see us. They are tired from decades of 
trying everything and nothing working or working at the start and then it's not working anymore. And so I get the frustration and I get the tiredness and I get the wanting to have it now, but we also have to be patient because this shit takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a long time. And it's, you know, again, it's like having that understanding that people have been operating in an industry that pushes you. Like with training, everybody thinks that you're hardcore if you can go and do 50 squats in a certain amount of time, you know, the much like no one really takes the time to go, well, you actually have to learn how to squat first. Yeah. Like you actually have to learn to hip thrust. You have to look at, do you have enough mobilization at your tail accrual joints? So you can actually squat probably because most people don't because like wearing high heels or just never doing any exercise, you know, do you know how to irradiate so you can actually get all the muscles in your body switched on to dissipate the load so that you can lift heavier in the long run? Do you know how to dissipate the load so all the pressure's not in your spine? Like, do you know how to use your abdominal wall? Like, you can't just go into exercise or you can if you want to, but you're going to break, you know? And so nobody wants to take the time to learn how to move. It's the same with, you know, just something as simple as recovery, right? And one part of recovery and Libby and I were talking about this other day, Libby Westcomb, check her out because she's really into this piece is that part of training is having a good aerobic base so that you can recover from training. And now nobody wants to just bloody walk and breathe. Nobody wants to do that because it's like, I don't see an instant result from that. Yeah, It's not I sexy. No, it's not sexy and it's not hardcore and it's not whatever the hell it is that you want it to be. But, you know, this is a huge piece that I work on with my clients. You need to go for a walk. It's 10,000 steps and you need to. I want you to walk as slow as you need to, to be able to breathe in and out through your nose without opening your mouth. And then the second part of that that people find is really hard is you can't talk. So you have to get off your phone. <laughs> you know, because I have a lot of mums that have trouble with this, but I can call a friend. No, 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 no calling a friend. You have to go and you have to shut your mouth <laughs> and breathe through your nose because as soon as you talk to a friend, you're going to mouth breathe the whole time. And we just forget about how important you know, managing our oxygen and carbon dioxide is for recovery, like how much that contributes to health of mitochondria. You know, everything really needs to be about the mitochondria and cell respiration, which I'm sure Josh just talked a lot about in his podcasts on your show. People should go back and listen to that. But we're cells. And if we're not making more cells, then we're our cells are dying which is essentially aging. And so dieting is oxidative stress, which is killing cells. HIIT training constantly without having a recovery base is oxidative stress, which is killing cells and it's aging us. And that's why there you see all these women and men who like are in their fifties, but they're super thin and it looks like their skin's falling off and they look old, you know, like, and it's remembering that a cell needs glucose, oxygen, carbon dioxide, water to make energy. So glucose, sugar, we need sugar, you know, and people will say, well, I can live without sugar. But if you don't eat sugar, your, your body will break down your muscles to make its own sugar. It doesn't break down fat to make sugar. It makes it breaks down muscle to make sugar, you know, and part of this process of oxygen and carbon dioxide is being able to work in your aerobic zone, right? 
So when you do weight training, when you're doing HIIT, when you're doing, that's all anaerobic. We actually thrive off aerobic input. So if you go, you know, and do your walk, I don't care who you are and what your athletic capability is. You have to, if you want to walk, work with me, you have to do some recovery. And I find that most people find that walking and breathing drill probably the easiest. And you need to be able to breathe in and out through your nose and not get your heart rate up too high. I actually want you to keep it quite low and get into that fat burn zone. And this is the thing why people forget that fat burning is like under 120, under 130 degrees, 130 beats per minute. Yeah, it's low. Right? It's super low because we're meant to be doing all this aerobic activity all day. This is why we're fat. It's not because we're not doing hit enough. It's because we're not moving around. <laughs> and the thing is people don't realise as well is you can go do your hit or your strength training, but if you don't do your aerobic activity as well, you're going to be you're sabotaging your overall cell and mitochondria and everything goals because when you go and build that muscle in your strength training you need to go and do your aerobic activity to feed the cells with oxygen and carbon dioxide so that the muscle can grow right and this is a huge piece that's missing it's like oh you know i'm i'm overweight um and i i i should probably just walk but i just that's just not hardcore enough like i i can't be burning fat when i'm you know, and this is a problem because we've got shows like The Biggest Loser, we've got all that stuff, stuff where it's like starve everyone and kill them, basically. And I think the statistics on shows like that is like by the time the, the um, contestants have finished the show, they actually have lost, dropped, the metabolic rate has dropped by like 60% or something. So they're actually in a worse off state. And that's why most of them just put all the weight back on after the show. And all the weight that they lost in the show is actually muscle mass and water and you know, because they're in this high stressed state and it's television people, it's drama. It's like, makes you want to watch it. It's, it's not real. Um, and interestingly enough, one of the biggest loser trainers in Australia just announced on her Instagram a few days ago that she has chronic fatigue. And you know, I've kudos to her to standing up and say that because that must be a massive thing to get up and say. But she trains for like hours a day and if she's eating the diet plan that's on her program that's prescribed to all of her members, she's going to get chronic fatigue because really for the amount of work that she's been doing, she should be eating like in excess of like 3,000, 3,500 calories a day and she's probably not. But also it's not just that, it's the lack of recovery it's this constant need to push and push and push and push and push. Yeah. And I think the hardest thing is that, you know, cause it can work for us for a while. You know, we can, we can train, we can show up to those high intensity classes and we can train a lot and we can eat less and it can work for us for a little while. You know, we, we might feel a little better. We lose weight, but then what we start to see actually over time that it's at a detriment, but it's really hard for us to move away from what worked before. It's not working now. And that's where I find the friction happens a lot for us to let go of, mm. 
yeah, okay, that did work, but our amazing bodies and physiology are actually really complex and <laughs> it's, you know, it's not working now. We can see that by the chronic fatigue, you know, the screwed thyroid, the irregular cycles, the lack of sleep, you know, the low tolerance to stress, the, all of these things that are telling us that what we're doing is not working for us. Uh, and then, you know, I think a lot of women get stuck, you know, they, and then they're like, well, what do I even do then? You know, because that worked for me before, you know, I want to go back to that now. Uh, maybe I've gone on this healing journey, like you said, and a lot of women, you know, this is what I'm finding from, if you're deep in the metabolic community, these women are eating all this food and then maybe have been told or oh, they can't exercise because their tolerance is so low, but then they gain all this weight and then mm. they just want to go back to do what they did before, but it's not going to work for them because it's too stressful. And so helping them navigate this path of like, well, no, actually like we can do this thing, but it's going to take some time because, and along the way we need to be checking is the system. Okay. What is the food log telling us? What is the system telling us? Uh, and then adjusting the training based on that uh, and mm. slowly building, slowly, slowly, slowly building. Uh, yeah. And that's a really hard thing, I think. Well, I think as well, like, you know, for even for those people that have jumped on and just thrown themselves into it, you know, still do a log and see where you're at. Yeah. Because I find a lot of people still eat too much fat. And people don't realize that one gram of fat is times nine to get the calories, whereas one gram of protein or carbohydrates times three, right? So your fat needs to be really quite minuscule. And fat satiates you and slows everything down. It slows down the carbohydrate getting into the mitochondria, into the cell. So it slows down your uptake of energy. And people don't really understand that. And they use that as a fat loss method. Or people are like, fat is awesome. I can just eat as much fat as I want, but you can't, right? Some people actually have to drop really low fat if they want to lose body weight, but there's negative connotations with that, right? And people don't want to do that. But And I think the other thing is, um, yeah, what was I going to say? I can't remember now. It's, oh, the people that are like, but, you know, what I'm doing is working for me, you know? They go, well, this, I put on this weight doing this, so I'm going to jump back to, you know, doing whatever this I'm doing. Or people are telling me, I know I'm, I'm lean and everything I'm doing is working for me. It's fine. Use body temperature and pulse. It is so super. You don't need to go and get all these blood tests and all this stuff to find out what's wrong with you, seriously. I mean, they're helpful with the right practitioner, okay? But you can use body temperature and pulse. So, okay, you want to fast, go fast. Wake up, take your rising temperature, go fast. Take your temperature after your first meal and see what happens. Take it in the afternoon. How's your blood sugar in the afternoon? Take it the next day. You want to go and do a HIIT class, do it. But your temperature needs to come back to its normal rate to show that you've had an adaptation, a positive adaptation to that stress. You know, our whole our metabolism is based on heat. And so if you're running a really low temperature, then you're really low in energy. You know, if you have cold hands and feet and you have a cold nose, 
if you live in Sydney in Australia and you think winter is freezing, this it's not yeah you need a woolly jumper and a coat but it's it's not freezing it's not like when I lived in Europe and like you live in Canada it's bloody freezing there um you know we we need to learn take a measure take a challenge to yourself if you think that's right then challenge yourself to it and, you know, and I use this with my clients as well. Like you don't have to go and get a DEXA scan every week. <laughs> We're looking at body temperature and pulse. Like, okay, we made a change. And I even have like people come to me and say, I can't eat gluten. They're so like hell bent on not eating gluten. And I'm like, okay, so go and have a piece of sourdough and see what happens. And their temperatures go up. Because they have learned how to eat sourdough bread with protein and have a little bit of fruit so you've got some fructose not just glucose you know the right fats and they've stabilized their blood sugar all week and hey they can eat sourdough right so i love it too because it helps i can't have a dogma that i can put onto my clients because the body never lies right yes that's the name of my podcast, by the way. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, it's like for me as a coach, I'm like, I wonder what's going to work for this client. I have absolutely, I can't have any expectation. I can't have, you know, people ask me, well, what, what do I do? And I said, well, I can, you can try what I do, but you need to test and see if it works. Like, I know that I need to eat as soon as I wake up. As soon as I wake up. I literally have a smoothie sitting on my nightstand. And I have it as soon as I get up. Um, but some of my clients need hot food when they wake up, or they need porridge, or like who knows? Some people can deal with really high fat in the morning, but they can't eat fats at night time. Some people need to eat seven times a day, some people need to eat three. I don't know. And this is what I love about logging is that it removes me from the picture in terms of what I believe. Because sometimes I'm like with a client, whoa, that is cool. I've never seen that work with anyone. That's so cool. And it can help remove what they believe, you know, their worldview. And when, uh, and this is why the tracking and the logging is important because the body never lies you know, and they'll, you know, often ask me, well, what do you do and what works? And I'm like, well, I don't have that answer. Like we, I can give you some foundations, but we need to figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> That's going to take time of like what's working and what's not working. And what is your body telling you? You need to connect into your body. Like I can't do that. I can help you learn how to, but what is the body telling you? And then that will tell you if what we're doing is working or not working. And it's about having a view of the whole person as well. It's not just about food. And this is what people need to get their head around. Food is super important. You know, but I like, I, we go out for breakfast on Saturday morning and we eat a meal that's completely different to what I would eat at home. And, and I normally don't log on a Sunday because it's, you know, just like want to have a day off and that's totally normal to people like you know you should have a day off from logging you don't have to log every day but I thought I am going to log on a Saturday because I want to know because I eat so differently I want to know and 
I remember doing it one day and my numbers were better than on a weekday. And I was like, that's so funny because I thought that breakfast didn't work for me. It was just my treat breakfast. But what I really sat down and thought about was like, but on a Saturday, I don't have any stress in the morning. I can go to this cafe and eat breakfast when I want to, you know, and it's, it's getting to connect with the fact that I do find the mornings quite stressful, like trying to get to school, get my daughter to school on time and, you know, like this morning we were trying to teach her that if she doesn't get ready on time, she'll be late. And that's really annoying to have to go through that consequence because then I'm going to be late. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I have to teach her the consequence that she's never going to learn. <laughs> so, you know, like anyone else who has a toddler, like the morning can be hell sometimes because you're like, put your shoes on, put your shoes on, put your shoes on. Okay, for the last time, so, and different people are going to get stressed out by different things. Like, and I talk about this all the time with my clients. Like, I find that the best I feel in the day is once I've got to my desk and I'm doing my own thing. And, you know, that could be related to a whole bunch of trauma in my life. And that's why it's so super stressful for me, you know. Like, I had to take care of my brother when I was very little and I was responsible for him. So maybe there's still some old stuff there that makes that, whereas Saturday it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll get there when we get there. I wear, you know, whatever, wear whatever you want to wear, I don't care. Like, um, you know, so maybe that's, maybe that's a huge piece of it. Maybe it's not the food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not just about the food. There's many many layers to it so much and this is why you know weight loss is about anything in health is about learning who you are as a person learning sitting down and ascertaining what your values are understanding what makes you happy like truly happy what makes you joyful yeah it's about being in your body it's about being present to your life and it's about having patience from where you've come from it's not about going oh my god I came from a broken home and life is so bad for me and stuff it's like okay I'm actually over that now I don't have a problem with that now but when I try and push myself in these areas my physical body doesn't like it because it it you know it has a memory of that life before and it goes back into that you know there's that really good book I can't pronounce his name and it's the body keeps the score. Yeah. About trauma. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. that, that a memory is in our cells. So it's about having patience for yourself. So I know that something that I really have to do for myself is be planned the night before. So there's not a lot to do in the morning. It's a non-negotiable for me. Like that yeah. is part of my health plan is helping my daughter get her clothes out the night before getting my clothes out the night before, you know, that is part of my weight loss plan. That is part of my thyroid recovery plan. It's part of my injury recovery plan because I know that in the morning I can get too easily stressed. And also it's, you know, with mums as well, we have to let our kids do more stuff for themselves. Yes. You know, I don't need to do stuff for her anymore. She was yelling at me this morning because she couldn't reach the soap. I'm like, 
okay, get a stool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> navigate this. Like, don't run up and rescue them all the time. Yeah, you have, a great, her. You have a great podcast on that. I, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, my parenting. And I have regular sessions with her because I know that oh. parenting for me is a real window into my trauma and the way that I was raised. Yeah. And so, and I also have an only child and I'm very conscious of, I probably, you have to be careful when you have an only child not to give them so much tension. Yeah. And you get really unconscious of doing it as well. Like just doing stuff for them. It's like, oh, well, if I had another baby, I wouldn't be doing that for her at all, you know. So it's like I need to step back so she can learn to be resilient and stuff. But yeah. it's, yeah, I find parenting is a really, um, it's very spiritual practice for me, being a parent, like being conscious, like never using the F word in front of my daughter, not the F-U-C-K word, the F-A-T word. Yes. You know, even though I just want to scream it about myself all the time. And, um, you know, the way I speak about myself or the way we talk about food, you know, the way that we set boundaries with our partner, like everything they're watching yeah. and they're copying. And this is what I really want to, I guess, focus on maybe to close is that if you're, you know, a lot of our problems about weight loss come from our parents and the way we saw ourselves in reflection to our parents okay not from them directly but the way we saw ourselves and i really want all i know you've worked mostly with women and all the women listening is when i do that what does my daughter seeing me do and my son seeing me do because i i often ask mothers like how can you make sure your kids eat but you don't eat you made food for everybody else but you didn't make lunch for yourself how come mum never sits down and eats at the table? Why does mum not eat breakfast when she goes out and runs in the morning? Because when I work with people with eating disorders, they remember that stuff about their parents. Yeah. And so many women will say to me, oh, my mum never ate. And she did the grapefruit diet and she did the, and we're no different. Oh, my mum doesn't eat carbs. Because when you're a grown-up, you don't need carbs. Yeah. What's your kid learning when you do say that? You know, same with like, I think um, Kitty did posted something about, well, imagine if all our daughters put on their ski pants and went, my butt is filling this out and my quads are so strong and I'm ready to hit the slopes instead of like, oh, my butt looks better than this. Yes. Yeah, this one's really important to me because I grew up in a house with a mother that was always on a diet. My aunt, my mum, always talking about weight, shape, size, um, comments about body. And my baby sister did have an eating disorder. She endured anorexia for a really long time. And that's really what drove me into being fascinated with our relationship to food and body was that experience. And, you know, I, 
I guess I was the lucky one, you know, the eating disorders are very complex and there's like can be a genetic component to it, but that nature nurture, that nurture, what we see and what we hear as children is, you know, can be detrimental uh, to our relationship to food and our body, especially for daughters. And so, uh, yeah, Lila, I think this is really important conversation is because, you know, you don't have to be saying the F-A-T word, but what you're doing, they see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, and then they can start to piece it together around, you know, your relationship to food and your body. And they will learn that. Um, 100%. And little boys can learn it too, you know, whether I don't yes. think, I think, I think it's going to be, I don't know, hope not, but there's going to be a generation of males that feel that more. And yeah. sometimes it can just be about connection, right? Because our daughter's like, my mom spends more time thinking about food than hanging out with me. Yes. Or she spends more time working out than she does with hanging out with me. So maybe I should work out and I should diet too, because then she'll love me more. Yeah. We could do it together. You know, it's a really unconscious process, but it's, and it's not about their physical appearance. It's actually about the fact, well, maybe if I dieted and exercised, the mum and I could hang out together. I miss her. Yeah. You know, it can come out in many different ways. For my for my family, my mum was actually starved as a child as punishment. And that trauma has carried along with her a very long time. And so I've watched her not eat because she is too busy to eat or she needs to work hard so that she deserves to eat or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I can't speak for her, but I, you know, part of my journey of realising this trauma because one of my problems is if I'm really busy, I don't eat enough food. And so I picked that up from her. I don't have it in the same way that she had because I was never starved as a child. I mean, there wasn't enough. I remember as a child being like, I'm still hungry. And my mom saying, well, there's no more food left. But I think maybe as well, it might have been for her that you got more food than when I did when I was a child. Like, surely you must be okay. Um, and she just couldn't afford any more food. So I don't blame her for that. But it's just really interesting when I think back and I watch myself when I'm super busy and I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. And then I go, Oh my God, I haven't eaten for like five hours, you know? And it's, so it's, it's, this is where logging is about being aware. So it's not like, Oh my God, now I have to go and have all this therapy and about my mom and go and clear past lives and cultural passing down and all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, you just need to set an alarm in your phone that says eat. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be so confronting. It's just, it's three hours. You know that you, from taking your body temperature and pulse, that you need to eat every three hours. So set a frigging alarm in your phone that says eat. Or like, you know, you've got to go out for the day. I had a massage yesterday. I've got eggs in the fridge. I've got bananas. Woohoo, they have their own containers. I just throw them in my handbag because I know that I'm not going to be back by snack time from the massage so I can eat it in the car on the way home. Like it's just, yeah, you know, you don't have to go into past life trauma therapy. Yeah, you can if you want, but like. You can and maybe and a lot of people do need to do that because yeah. they're just, they just cannot. And I do recommend that people do that, you know, like yeah. I've had worked with clients that just cannot do a food diary they just cannot you know and then we have to start to unpack that and rubble that and then I do have a whole lot of coaching tools that I use with people because there is deep dark seated 
yes you know eating disorders and stuff like that but for most people it's just like okay I am a grown-up I have realized that my behavior is I'm an adrenaline junkie that's me I get really high on the adrenaline of the job that I love and I don't feel hungry so because I'm a (laughs) grown-up and I care about myself I'm going to set an alarm and have a snack and if I'm in a meeting or I'm on a client call I'm just going to say to my client it's my eating time do you mind if I eat now yeah it's my eating time right now (laughs) I know it's lunch time it's time to wrap this up well, it's my dinner time. And I think it's been about four and a half hours since I ate last. Oh, God, you got to go. <laughs> my tummy's rumbling. <laughs> um, okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Totally. I think that's a good place to finish. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Stop doing, do yourself. Stop doing do F45 yourself. or Orange Theory or <laughs> running a million miles an hour a day. Eat some more food, you know, balance. Well, and it's also not to say that you can't do that. Like if you do yes. like hit, you could go once a week, maybe twice a week, but you need to be able to eat a shit ton of food to be able yes. to do those kind of workouts. Yeah. If you like CrossFit, that's cool. But you need to eat like 3,000, 3,500 calories to be able to do that. And you're you're working in your anaerobic zone, so you need to eat a shit ton of carbs to be able to do that kind of workout, you know? So you can't fall into the dogma of being a CrossFit athlete and eating paleo because that's what CrossFit is. You know, you can't, we're not, I'm not saying, I want to be really careful of that, but saying that exercise is bad and cardio is bad and all that sort of stuff. It's like, okay, if you want to do that, then the way that you do that is you manage your recovery. So you eat a whole lot of food. You finish your workout, you go and have, you know, you drink an adrenal cocktail through your workout. You have another one when you finish your workout. Then you have a massive bowl of carbohydrate with protein and fat straight after training and you know that you have to eat extra calories for a certain amount of time. Most people don't actually have the time to eat three and a half thousand calories of food. So I say just do one hit class this <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. And like that, like training hard is not bad, you know, and training a lot. Like I, I can train for hours a day. I could train six days a week, but I manage my stress. I eat a lot of food. I sleep eight hours. And you don't have any kids. I don't have it. No, I don't have any kids. I I don't say that as a judgment. I have a dog. I have a dog that takes like, but he, he lets me do my um, walking my walking and my breathing. So and he just looks at you with love all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think the point that I'm making is that <laughs> we can train hard, you know, and I'm all yeah. for like, if you want to train hard and you want to go for, after some really big, like goals, strength goals, you want to run a marathon, like, and it makes you happy and you love it, go for it, but make sure that you're managing your stress and you're fueling your body and you're sleeping and you're recovering. <laughs> 100%. And if you can't do those things, well, eventually that that intensity and that style of training is going to create a bit of chaos in the body. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I think 
you know, if we have a strong system, we know how to eat, we know how to recover. Of course we can train hard. Yeah. If we have the time and we, and we love to do it, that's another thing. If you are just like, you're hating it or you just want to get it done. That's telling you something that's telling mm-hmm. you that you're actually not loving the process. There's no joy in it. So I'm all for doing something that you find joy in that you love to do. If you love running, I'm not going to say don't run because it like <laughs> it's like stressful on the body and it is catabolic and eats your muscle mass. I'm going to say, okay, well then let's put in some stuff around it that supports you to do that because you love it. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, I totally agree when you say that. I'm glad. I'm just like that it, up. It, not a high achiever in terms of fitness either. Like I'm not a high achiever and like I don't have that desire to be able to lift a whole ton of weight or like I don't set these massive goals for myself and that's okay too like that's just not me what I love about training is being more capable yes and what I love why I got into the fitness world is because I love anatomy and physiology and solving complex problems and I love biology and stuff so you don't have to be an athlete I just you know I got to 100 kilos deadlift and I went okay cool done next yeah. I don't get to 100 kilos and go cool now I want to get to 200 and 300 which you can you know that's totally realistic so when I was actually really fit and healthy I really only did weights probably twice a week and I didn't actually train that hard you know people have this perception that I really trained hard no I didn't actually and so I think that's a real misconception as well like if you want to have this amazing physique that you have to train six days a week you don't actually yeah, totally. Yeah, and we need again. We need to reframe like what training is because yeah. training is a practice. You know, training isn't just going and and lifting heavy weights or just running. Training is an umbrella of um, mobility work, flexibility work, stability work spinal work flow on the floor you know yeah and also being realistic you know like so many women say to me oh i want to i just like doing pilates oh that's really great you know pilates has its place but you're not going to build muscle mass doing pilates so you're not going to increase your bone mineral density okay yeah you can't just do pilates and yoga because i think a lot of women who are thin or attracted to being thin are attracted to those kinds of modalities yes you know, but you it's not going to, it's going to be great for your stabilization and your tonic muscle fibers and your nervous system. And um, it's, but it's not going to get you muscle mass that's going to burn fat at rest and increase your bone mineral density and actually give you the physique that you want. Yeah. And um, let you be strong. This is the thing. It's like, what do you actually want? That's the question. Like, how do you actually want to feel? And if you get down deep to it, it's like, I want to feel confident in my body. I want to feel capable. Like, I don't want to be in pain. I want For to me, it was definitely free. strong. Like, you know, my dog, who sadly passed away at the beginning of the year, he's 35 kilos. I could pick him up. Yeah. He needed my help to pick him up at the end, you know, and I could pick him up. I want to be able to give my daughter a piggyback when she's tired. I want to be able to move furniture with my husband when I want to move furniture. I want to be able to dig a hole in my backyard. I want to be able to climb the monkey bars when, with my daughter. Like, 
yeah, define what it really means to you and make it other than I want to be lean. Yeah. And that, you know, we, you can have that as a goal, but it can't be the goal. And this is what I say all the time. If that is the focus and the goal, you're in for one hell of a ride. <laughs> That's, it's yeah, because I work with women all the time that can't even pick up their own kids, but they train six times a week. Yeah. And they're like, I can't carry my child when they're, you know, sometimes your child has a tantrum and you say to them, like, I mean, okay, you have two choices. You can walk out of the shop yourself or I'm going to carry you out of the shop. And you need to be able to go in with the consequence, which is carry them out. And they might have a tantrum and you can't carry them. <laughs> you know, like I, I see women all, all the time. They can't carry their own kids. Yeah. And for me, look, I've always trained to feel strong, to feel capable, to feel free. Like that to me, I've never trained just for my weight shape and size for my body Mm. composition now look I love looking strong yeah I love like there's nothing wrong with that like we were talking about but that is not my goal like I don't train for my body composition I train to do really cool shit but mostly I train because I love feeling strong. It changes who I am, how I show up in the world, my posture, how I show up in my relationships. Uh, and that's why, yeah, that's my why, you know, to feel this freedom and not to be in pain and to feel so certain and confident and have so much trust in my body that my body can do anything that I ask of it. That is why I train. And 100%. I think- we need to get really clear on that. Like, does it really effing matter? Like what the weight is on the scale? Like there's all these other things that, you know, we that are just so much more important. <laughs> well, does it matter what clothes size you fit into? I mean, I tell people all the time, just cut the tag off. Go yeah. and buy that clout, the outfit that looks the best on you and cut the tag off if it really upsets you that much. Nobody does walk up to you on the street and go, oh, my God, is that a size six? they're just going to go wow that woman looks really cool in that outfit how gives a shit what size you you know people are going to notice how you're showing up like in the world yeah they're not going to pay attention to the clothes size but how are you showing up are you showing up powerfully are you present with your children are you present with your partner you know uh, can you show up powerfully at work and I just believe if we can come to this place and train in a way that can help us feel these things that is like what what we should be doing 100% maybe part of that's going through your wardrobe and going I'm going to take all these clothes down to Vinny yes because actually just having them here in my wardrobe is making me want to be that size again yeah I'm like, why would I do that? I'm older. I've got more money. I can buy more clothes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best part of getting older. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, got to, I have to go and eat dinner. I'm, having, eat slow, I'm having slow cooked uh, beef short ribs. Oh, I'm having this curry. It was part of it. We do a couple of meals on the weekend. It's a slow cooked curry too. It's really good. Bit of rice, bit of fruit. Yes. Mm. That's oh, what I'm going to have. Homemade chocolate. Homemade <gasps> chocolate. Delicious. Okay, well, I'm going to go and eat because I'm starving. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I, I love it. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaway. Hey, Warrior Woman. So this training, nutrition, and health stuff has challenged you at your deepest level. And now you feel stuck. Maybe you've missed regular training for over a year due to an injury and you feel scared to start training again. Maybe you've tried so many programs, but they didn't work. So now you feel tired, overwhelmed, out of shape, and weak. I believe this stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard. I also believe that we should all feel strong and confident. So I pulled on all my knowledge and my experiences over the last decade and created Warrior School. In Warrior School, I help you swap confusion and overwhelm for a plan to get stronger and healthier. And who doesn't love a good plan? Inside Warrior School, I will teach you the key metabolic nutrition principles to give you energy and support your training. I teach you how to approach training to get stronger and get those results that you want. And I teach you how to regulate your cycle and use it as a tool to support your training. I invite you to become a part of Warrior School in three simple steps. Fill out the application form on my website, Book a free discovery call where we talk about your training and your goals. Three, start training today to get stronger and healthier.